Hello everyone, Slewdog here, an old guy who knows shit. Welcome back to season two, an old guy who knows shit explains it all for you. This is episode two, Cosmology. Today's episode will be about cosmology as promised, but I hope you'll excuse a few extra minutes this episode because I must address the fact that the entire world order just changed and not for the good. I weep for Ukraine every day. I dream about Ukraine every night. Listen, do you hear it? What I fear as I watch these horrific events unfold is that we here in America do not appreciate the gravity of the situation. Its continuous juxtaposition with buy happiness here commercial propaganda so lessens its impact. It gives me great hope that so many American companies pulled out on their own. One wonders how much of it is sincere and how much of it is their consultants prodding because it will ultimately make them more money. But I have to let all that go. I am so glad that I ended the preceding episode with an appeal for all of us to come together to put aside our differences for now because we have to have a world to fight over or we all lose. Now, after Ukraine, that is so much more urgent. So, okay, we're already in an apocalyptic struggle. Astoundingly enough, I released the first episode of this season discussing that fact mere weeks before the Putin invasion. Since then, it would appear that the dark side has made a serious move, and this could very well be the final confrontation that will decide whether we go on to fight climate change newly united or if we all go down, because the dark side wins. The thing is, Putin may have started World War III, but maybe he did not. It seems to me we have to keep his actions in perspective vis-a-vis -vis our descendants. There is no safe place for Western democracy in a world order that lets Putin win Ukraine. In his vision, this is only step one. For those of you who are still asking what could be his end game, here it is. He wants to reunite the USSR and then make it the dominant force in the world. This has been his mission in life since he was faithfully trained KGB agent. I believe Putin thought in planning this invasion that all he had to do was show China and the rest of the world that the West either cannot or will not stop him. His vision of a swift and easy victory counted on the fragmentation of NATO, which his ringer almost provided for him and would have had he been re-elected. Assuming there would be no leadership to unite NATO against him, Putin envisioned taking Ukraine with little or no consequence, thereby essentially handing China Taiwan. United with China, then, together they would attract Iran and all the oil producers. Then he simply annexes the former Soviet states while NATO sits by helplessly in the face of such a cabal. He de-Westifies the East, isolates the EU and the U.S. without oil or manufacturing, which is all in China, and in a matter of months, certainly by the end of the year, Putin envisioned himself at the end of a whole new world order with the East and autocracy dominant. We know now he has been surprised and stymied at most every turn, thank goodness. The strength of the Ukrainians has clearly surprised him. Now we hear he is asking China for help. Seems to me this is a very good sign for us because I'm pretty sure Xi would much rather dominate the world economically and not have to be part of blowing it up to get it. This is to our advantage. I'll be surprised if he provides direct aid to Putin. Putin thinks all he has to do is take Ukraine to prove his point, but his point becomes less and less viable with each day that passes. Each day increases Xi's calculation of the cost to hold Ukraine and then rebuild it. 
Xi can see clearly that this is not the walk in the park Putin described to him in their pre-invasion meetings. Now Xi has learned that backing Russia will be a way more expensive proposition than he originally signed on for. And it is also risky because Putin can't be trusted and could try to take everything out if he can't win. So we must all pray that Xi is sensible enough to see that this would not be an economically beneficial move to ally with Russia now. Much better to keep us as peaceful customers than to turn on us. Hopefully, the message the administration is sending out to the world that we're not really in this thing and we're afraid of what Putin will do is part of a much bigger strategy in which the opposite is the case. We have to stop him here. If the West allows Putin to win Ukraine, there will be no safe place for Western democracy in the world for a very long time. And our descendants will almost certainly go down in the face of climate change. So folks, we must all write our Congress folk and the president at the very least to make sure they understand that you support stopping Putin here. We can do that without starting World War III by making sure the Ukrainians have what they need. And we must not let Putin dictate the terms of that. We do not have to shoot down Russian airplanes, but we have to make it possible for the Ukrainians to. And we have to be willing to risk that. The only acceptable outcome for Western democracy here is to stop Putin now. If we do not, and he is able to ally with China and the oil producers against us, folks, we will be in some very deep doo-doo. Now, in the meantime, it is possible that people could stop this, particularly the Russian people and soldiers. But all of us, all of us constructors, we are all amassed against him, and that has power. And while we can feel the disruption of life energy throughout the world, he feels our opposition, and his soldiers are not committed. We must all send our energy to the Ukrainian people every night when we get into our comfortable beds with our full refrigerators and our furnaces running. Every night, at the very least, we must concentrate our power on supporting the Ukrainians and on convincing the Russian soldiers to stop this. We must keep a continual wave of construction emanating throughout the land. What the holy crap am I talking about? So here's what I think. I think I need to just go on with the next couple of episodes as planned, because whether or not the dark side wins in Ukraine, either way, we need to do what we need to do. Putin's supervillain turn to crush Western democracy here does not change in the least what we need to do to establish survivability for our descendants. So I'm moving ahead. There will be Ukraine commentary each episode as we move along. Especially since, you know, there is the chance that it could really be the big one. But I agree with General H.R. McMaster, who said recently, talk of World War III isn't helpful. What we need to do now is to start planning what exactly we need to do. And believe it or not, that starts with cosmology. Don't laugh. Cosmology. What has my whole first season of Supernatural Tales been leading to? If your answer is, a cosmology where all these things make sense? then you get a gold star because you are paying attention. You don't have to agree with my cosmology, and I will truly not be offended if that is the case. But I need to explain to you where I'm coming from so you can understand my vocabulary. I recorded this segment before the Ukraine invasion, and I kind of like that about it. So here's a somewhat more innocent version of myself explaining my cosmology. 
Now, I know it doesn't seem like understanding my cosmology will get us any closer to combating climate change, but actually it will because cosmology can give us clues to which paths of action are the true paths to balance. Which paths might actually make a positive difference? And there's even more than that. Let's just say we have weapons we don't know about. How do I know all this shit? Okay, remember, that's why season one is there. Start by listening to the stories because those life experiences informed me more than anything else. I believe the voice greater whom you met or will meet in episode 15 has had something to do with all this coming together as well. And who exactly is the voice greater? Eh, later. Finally, Universal disclaimer, I don't have all the answers, and I do not claim categorical knowledge about anything. I may be totally wrong about everything. You have to trust your own truth meter when deciding whether or not to believe me. But I have been paying very close attention since I was 12, 58 years now in 2022, looking for a truth that works. And I ain't going to shit you now. So, since you're here, please consider the possibility that I may be right. If I am right, and enough folks agree, we could all very well be part of the nonviolent revolutionary action that actually might move us toward a more enlightened understanding of our relationship with the universe. And, even more importantly, enlightened or not, help us turn around climate change. So, here we go. An old guy who knows shit explains it all for you. Cosmology. Let's start with the one generally agreed upon point of origin, the Big Bang. What it exploded out into the empty universe was energy. That energy became separated quite early on into two kinds. Gravity, constructive energy, which is always trying to pull things together, and what I will call entropy, destructive energy, which is always trying to pull them apart. Science has confirmed my concept of gravity, the constructive force, but they have not clearly identified the destructive force. Our word, entropy, actually works as a name for that force, so I will refer to them as gravity and entropy. Gravity representing the constructive energy and entropy representing destructive energy. The important idea to grasp here is that construction and destruction together form the foundation of the universe. They are the black and the white in the symbol of infinity. After the Big Bang, for several million years, everything gravity tried to pull together, entropy broke up. And then, science tells us it was when the universe was a few hundred million years old, stars began to appear. Stars are the most critical elements of the universe because they are the one physical expression of energy where gravity and entropy can coexist. Gravity holds together the mass 
that entropy burns. And the energy generated by this fuels and or destroys star systems. Now that energy cannot be destroyed nor can new energy be created. Energy comes from the sun and other stars, but everything else in the physical world is an expression of that energy. The physical world is an expression of the non-physical energy driving it. The energy fueling the universe and us is essentially non-physical, but since it takes a star to create it, it has to be generated in the physical world, which makes both states, physical and non-physical, necessary for existence. The energy of the universe, essentially non-physical, is then expressed as solid matter and life in the physical universe. The only thing separating them is linear time, which only exists in the physical world. So there are two expressions of every reality, a non-physical expression, the energy driving that reality, and the physical expression of that energy, which is the physical reality that we, our physical selves, experience. So physical matter is an expression of non-physical energy. Now I'm going to interject a footnote here because recent science backs me up on this and it actually might help you wrap your brain around this concept. Google massless particle. You don't have to get any of the lingo to get that two elemental particles have been identified that have a mass of zero. It's the smallest building block of the physical world, and there is nothing there but energy. Which means that physical matter is an expression of energy. So, back to the scale of a solar system. Gravity and entropy essentially take turns. Gravity pulls solar systems into existence, and when they have eons to stabilize before entropy takes over and breaks them all apart, great marvelous life can grow there. Those constructive times between when a solar system stabilizes and when entropy takes over, especially if there is a long undisturbed period, are very powerful. A star system that gravity can keep stable for a long time can create astounding life energy anywhere. Yes, folks, the constructive-destructive energy battle operates everywhere in the universe. It's how the universe works. Everywhere there is a star, there is constructive energy trying to build something, and there is destructive energy trying to stop that process. Well, the universe is, of course, teeming with life. Look at Earth and the absolutely fantastical life that has happened just here on this planet and not just in one place. From the tropics to Antarctica to superheated vents miles underwater, life is everywhere. Right now, it is roughly 65 million years since everything was last wiped out with a single blow. But look at what evolved here 
all by itself in the 65 million years before that. 50-ton dinosaurs, for crying out loud, grew here all by themselves. And yet, we have difficulty believing that life could grow anywhere else in the universe? Really? Whew, that just seems to fly in the face of all common sense to me. But let's go back to the 65 million years since the last time Earth was wiped out. That's a good chunk of undisturbed time for the physical world. It has developed us. And now our solar system and us are in the middle of a stable, constructive cycle. The point being that on the scale of the solar system, we should be tearing it up which, as previously noted, we're not. So, back to life on Earth. Darwin's theories, I believe, are essentially correct, but incomplete. They don't account for the energy that fuels life, which was evolving itself along with the evolution of species. Earth went from burning rock to wet rock to primordial soup. Now the life in that soup was the energy, the constructive energy of this solar system moving its physical expression from inanimate to animate, to life at its first opportunity. The sea of energy fueling this growth became streams of energy increasingly complex and individualized. While physically, life was evolving from cellular to multicellular to bacterial to actual separate critters to dinosaurs, at the same time, the energy expressed in those critters progressed from a wave in a sea of constructive energy to a separate stream of greater and greater strength until it became a completely separate entity increasingly complex and individualized. Over many eons, a form of life energy has advanced in the physical world to what we have in our heads, a separate sentient entity currently experiencing the cycle of physical life that is us. We started as a wave in a constructive stream of energy, a wave that separated itself, that pulled away from the security of the stream to try to build a stream of its own. You and I are the physical expressions of an entity of energy, and we are the sum of all the separate cycles of physical life our individual entity of energy has lived since coalescing into a separate being. We separated from the parent stream at great risk because there is no knowledge of what is outside the parent stream. We just fall into the maelstrom of energy streams, all bigger and more powerful and all competing for our attention. The sheer force of human belief in something creates a stream of energy where that is true. Every single one of us has enough power to do that. So from every single person's private energy stream, there are multiple energy streams beaming out every actual belief, seeking allies, multiple energy streams from everyone. Literally millions of competing energy streams, 
all vying for our personal energy. That is the maelstrom we're birthed into. So your first, most immediate need is help, an ally, a guide. Exactly the same as everyone else. We bail out of one and the next instant are actively seeking another energy stream to become part of because one tiny little piece of energy all by itself in the maelstrom has not got a chance. Most of us, in fact, don't get any farther than that. An important part of surviving as an individual is making choices that keep us on our own, that make us stronger and yet support what we want to support. Our first choice is to find a trustworthy ally. Most energy streams are not associated with the actual truth because, as you recall, most of them are based on nothing more than some individual's belief. So discerning truth is an important early skill if one is to succeed. Those of us who survive do so because we find a true ally whose first move is to bail us to the safety of the physical world. In the physical world, you have all the limitations of physical form, but you are also insulated from the maelstrom. You can build up your strength a little bit at a time in the physical world, and you can find and secure allies. Your guide may or may not stay your guide, but I believe most of us have and keep one or more guides. Here, the barrier of time keeps you safe from the maelstrom, and the linearity of time lets you build on what has gone before safely. Well, not exactly safely, because there is overlap, as we have seen in several of the stories, but as a general rule, you get stronger in the physical world, and you build ever stronger alliances. Together with those alliances, you generate new, more powerful streams of energy, supposedly more in line with your own. You left one stream to find or create a new one, and that is what we are doing here. We're building energy streams to fuel the efforts of our non-physical self to help it achieve whatever it was that gave us the strength to separate in the first place. Maybe we become an independent, powerful entity, pulling in the energy streams of allies to join our own. Or maybe we become an ally ourselves to the energy stream of another who seems simpatico with us. If our stream is powerful enough that we have survived many cycles, then we have a better understanding of why we are here. We recognize our allies and know what it is that we are doing, construct or destruct, and we pull in energy from the people, places, and things around us. All, remember, expressions of energy and we redirect it into our own energy streams, which we create. Energy streams that either construct or destruct based on that original motivation for breaking off. For most of us, thank goodness, it is to construct. From bacteria to insects to plants to lions to us, there are predators and prey all up and down the spectrum. I think we have all, that is, our independent life stream, has likely experienced both prey and predator many times. Most of us are constructors because we do not prey on others and because we have decided instead to work with others. 
But those among us who have not been around often enough to develop a firm commitment with defenses are vulnerable. And the destructors that are out there are, I suspect, surprisingly few, but very powerful, very convincing. And they fuel their destruction by hoodwinking great numbers of sincerely constructive people into committing their energy to destructive streams. Constructors build teams through cooperation based on truth. Destructors use deception and lies to absorb life streams. Constructors only have one narrative, the truth, whereas destructors can create as many narratives as they need, any one of them potentially powerful enough to overwhelm the truth. But taken together, they can push the truth so far away that no one really knows where it is anymore. They amass great, powerful streams of energy from absorbing the commitment of millions and millions of well-intentioned but hoodwinked constructors. What we constructors are trying to do is to build our own constructive streams of energy. Some through family, community, church organizations, or politics, some through scientific or medical achievement, Individuals have created energy streams in many fields that have changed mankind. Some of us build through athletic achievement, others through creative achievement, music, theater, art, aesthetic experience in general, all create constructive streams of energy, some of them very powerful and long-lasting. For constructors, it's all about generating constructive streams of energy that can emanate throughout humanity, that actually construct. For destructors, well, any chaos or disruption is a success. These days, it is the easy choice. Climate change, though, is the destructor's coup de grace. If us constructors cannot swing the pendulum back into a new state of balance, the destructors will win. Their energy stream is very powerful and will not redirect easily. So now, post-invasion, that destructor energy stream is freaking exploding. Folks, Putin is a destructor of the highest order. That is one thing about this war, there is no ambiguity. There are no shades of gray here. This is a man who bombs babies. He is like antimatter to goodness. We cannot coexist with him. What is good to him is horrific evil to us. He proves to us all that there are supervillains in the world, that old destructors have great power, and they are not on the side of humanity. He truly is the comic book supervillain who wants to conquer the world, and he must be defeated now, here, while he is still alone. Where are 007 or the Justice League when we need them? But note, please, he has encountered many surprises. And note also that most of them have to do with people amassed against him. Now, whether or not this turns out to be the big one, the revelation scale battle of good versus evil, what matters now is that huge numbers of people are massing their energy against him, fortifying the Ukrainians with more than just weapons. If you believe in prayer, you must pray every day. 
If you do not believe in prayer, send positive energy. Send yourself and your empathy and your compassion there. There is a great and powerful stream of constructive energy flowing into Ukraine, and it has actual power. This is one big difference the information age makes. When Hitler invaded Poland, hardly anyone knew. He took advantage of catching people by surprise, and there were no amassed energy streams organized against him. Here, now, compassionate people all over the world are sending their strength and power to Ukraine. And look what a difference it is making. Yes, Ukraine is taking the beating and doing the actual fighting. But we must remember, folks, that their lives were just like ours. We brought the West to them, and they embraced it. But now they are taking the hit for us. Folks, our lives, believe it or not, are just as fragile. We could lose them just as quickly. We must stand with Ukraine. So, folks, in addition to telling our Congress folk that we must help with arms and supplies, each individual one of us can help beyond that. Remember the story, Radar? Remember the Compassion, Love, and Beauty team? Your sixth sense is real. And we can reach out to individual Russian soldiers and Russian citizens and push them to stop this war. No, you're not going to establish a telepathic link into somebody's brain, but you will add power to the resistance that I guarantee you they are feeling. We can lend strength to the Ukrainians. It sounds crazy, I know, but I'm telling you, it has power that we are seeing at work right now. We must stop Putin here. Commit to that. Believe we can, and we can. This has been an old guy who knows shit with Season 2, Episode 2, Cosmology. Episode 3 will take us through how humans fit into the big picture here to my plan. And stay with me here, folks, because I really think you're going to like my plan. Doesn't seem fair, does it, that actual supervillains get to exist in the world but not superheroes? Well, you know what? I believe that that is because, folks, we are the superheroes. So let's get to it. Listen. Do you hear it? This is an old guy who knows shit. Signing off. Till next time. Oh!